I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the case against Suge Knight and asking the question, is he being written out of hip-hop history? Right now, Knight is being held in lieu of $10 million bail and solitary confinement at an L.A. County jail, charged with murder. Now, Knight maintains he was acting in self-defense when he ran over Terry Carter with his truck in 2015, but prosecutors are calling it first-degree murder, and there are other charges. Now, Suge's son, Suge Jacob Knight, tells me he fears for his dad's health and that his father is a political prisoner, a victim of the dangerous death row gangsta image that was more fiction than fact. So which is it? Are Suge Knight's human rights being denied or is justice being served? And as some people say, karma has come around. Let's find out what our panel has to say about all this. Joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers, Samia Krishnamurthy. She's a music journalist and pop culture expert. Samia, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? All right, great. Really appreciate you being here with us. Also joining us, Lord Jamar, hip hop artist. You know him as part of the group Brand Nubian. He's also an actor. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Also joining us, Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor, and founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group. So, Mia, let me start with you. In Suge's heyday, how big of a figure was he in hip-hop? You can't talk about hip-hop without talking about Suge Knight. In his heyday, he really was larger than life. When you think about the biggest West Coast artists, Tupac Shakur, Dr. Dre, Snoop, he was instrumental in their careers, and he really created Death Row not just as an influential label, but as a brand. When you heard that Death Row name, it just kind of conjured up, what does that brand mean? It was sort of a... Um, by any means necessary, menacing, intimidating brand that they got what they wanted and they had a lot of success, both critically and commercially. Lord Jamar, take us back to the late 1990s because there was just a lot more violence at that time, period. But what was going on, the famous, you were at the famous Source Awards, right, right. Uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, episode, yeah, yeah. <laughs> incident. Tell, tell us about that, what it was like being around the music scene at, at that time. I mean, it was definitely, you know, it was a lot of tension at that time, especially for East Coast, West Coast. Uh, like you said, I was at the Source Awards when that happened that night. I was also at the after party at the tunnel, maybe feet away from when Suge and Puffy had their little altercation. And it was just, a, you know, when Suge Knight walked into a room, there was just an air that, you know, it could pop off, you know. And it made a lot of people uncomfortable, you know? And if you had a problem with him, I guess you didn't want to be around when he walked in, you know? So there was, that was a real feeling, a real vibe that you got, even in a place that was so packed and so huge like the tunnel. Absolutely. I was at another club, uh, I forget the name of it, down on Houston, and he came in there, and it was just like his whole aura was like, get out my way, like, you know what I mean? It's Suge Knight, I'm here, like, you know what I mean? Right. Death Row. And people was getting out his way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he had that kind of aura about him. You and know? does it does it surprise you that to this day, so even with him behind bars and, you know, he has spent a number of years on parole violations and other things, locked down, that he still inspires that kind of fear? When, you, when I've been mentioning his name to people all week and prepping for the show, they're like, whoa, like <laughs> that, you know? I mean, he said earlier, you know, um, 
Snoop called him the boogeyman. Like, you know, in a lot of people's minds, that's who he was. And I think he, he kind of embraced that role of being the boogeyman. Like the gangster to the max. Absolutely. It was all about fear and intimidation. But at the same time, that's the American way. Right, that's what a lot, <laughs> really lot of people look say. at it. Until, until you get caught and until you get locked down, Charles Tucker Jr. You looked at some of those those court pages, uh, pages and papers. The charges against him are pretty serious. Oh yeah, it, they, they definitely stacked uh, against him in a lot of regards. But there's also a defense side to it. I also had a chance to look at the video to what extent it was edited or not. There's a clear defense in there, um, and if you look at when the vehicle struck him, it appears another individual goes over and they take something out, what appears to be a weapon, and put it in his, uh, he put the weapon in his back pocket and, and goes off. So from, you know, and looking at some of the accounts uh, or the defense details, they're detailing a self-defense case. So there are definitely elements of that, that that are evident that to me should at least uh, cause some reasonable doubt uh, in, in minds of reasonable juries, notwithstanding any of his past uh, convictions or crimes. But in this instance, just objectionably looking at the video, it, there's enough there, Lisa, for reasonable doubt. For reasonable doubt and to cast. So pe people who are writing him off right now, it's a little premature for I, that. I, I think so because there are additional facts. I mean, as you know, uh, last year there's some facts that came to light, and quite recently we found out that this... Uh, L.A. sheriff uh, has been indicted and he's been charged with, you know, uh, mishandling some cases. And just last year, this same sheriff department, uh, one of the investigators have said, or, you know, one of the uh, their so-called confidential informants came out and said that they were pushed to make misleading statements in this case. So there's a, a lot. A lot of, a lot of grime. Absolutely. Just, just a straight, straight up a lot of a grime. So, I mean, do you think what extent, like with the case, you know, the, I mean, here Suga's called to this, you know, he's called to this place, location by Terry Carter, they're supposed to make nice, then some other guy comes up that's with him and punches him in the face, and then his son claims it was self-defense, that that's what he was doing, but how much of this do you think is, you know, attributable to the myths around him and to this image that, that Lord Jamar is talking about? Yeah, you know, when you think of Suge Knight, he was actually known as the most feared man in hip-hop. I don't know who gave him that title, but it was a title that stuck with him and everyone's kind of used it for years. And, you know, one thing we have to remember, Suge's a big guy. This is a guy who's 6'3", 300-something, used to play football um, almost you know, semi-professionally. And, you know, I think that just physically he was very imposing. And, you know, in many ways it's sort of perception is reality. So, as you said, if he's known as the boogeyman, he never did anything to sort of dissuade that reputation, his reputation precedes him. So really any story, when we're talking about Suge, it always conjures up all the other stuff. You know, you can't ever really have a clean slate. And I think in this case as well, I mean, we don't know really the specifics. Obviously, the jury has to go through everything. But the minute you hear Suge's involved, already you think about all the other stuff that he was involved in. It's hard to just detach from all those stories. I think it's impossible to detach it because, you know, really to find a juror who doesn't know who Suge Knight is, they probably lived on Mars for the past 30 years. Right, because it's he really cuts impossible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, like I, for me, I mean, I grew up in Calum 
Kalamazoo, Michigan, not east, not west, <laughs> the Midwest before it was really even, you know, a hip hop market. But I knew who Suge was growing up because when you think of Death Row, it was really, you know, those iconic four individuals. And you remember, I think in 96, Vibe did that great cover where it was Dre and Snoop and Pac and Suge. And for a label owner to be really as, um, well-known and notorious as his artist is huge. So he made an impact everywhere. And I think to find a juror who doesn't know who Suge Knight is is going to be really hard. And, and we did, we have to give him credit for branding because that was one thing that... Kalamazoo, uh, Michigan, who Suge Knight is. <laughs> but now can you convict someone on their reputation? Well, that's wow. what we're going to talk about. We need to take a break. And uh, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the Suge Knight case. We'll be back right after this. What up? This is Trey Songz, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. What we're focusing on in this episode, the case against Suge Knight. And is he being written out of hip-hop history? Joining us for this conversation, Somia Krishnamurthy. She's a music journalist and pop culture expert. Great to have you with us. Hi. Hi. Also with us is Lord Jamar. He's a hip-hop artist and part of the group Brand Nubian and also an actor, a very accomplished actor. Great to have you with us. Great to finally get up here. Yeah, I know. I'm so happy. <laughs> also joining us is Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor and founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group. Charles, thank you so much for being with us. Happy to be with you, Lisa. Lord Jamar, let's talk about stereotypes, because we're much more conscious, and you know we've done a lot of street soldier shows on this as well, stereotypes about black men, particularly right. about large black men who are tall and have very imposing... Scary. Fit what people would say are scary, what mm -hmm. some people would say. Do you think that plays a role in how he was treated in terms of people looking at him and also some of these scrapes that he got into or he used that to his advantage i think he you know it's it's both uh people looked at him stereotypically and he played into the stereotypes you know he wanted to be feared you know um and when you're what what is he six five 300 pounds. Six three. Six, yeah. he, he didn't do grew two inches in the shit. No. Yeah. yeah well. six, again, six, the, five, the legend he, is even bigger, right? We went from right. six three right. to six five in, in two five minutes. minutes. In right. two minutes. That's how big the legend and, and is. Listen. But he's six he's six three. He's three hundred pounds. He's also a physically athletic man. He played yeah. for UNLV right. in college. And then briefly almost played for the NFL the at one point when there was a strike. strike on yeah. the right. ramp for the Rams. Right. For that. So he's he's got physical skills as well. Physical talents. And you know, I've heard that, you know. He's good at knocking people out and breaking <laughs> jaws, too. You know? That he could have had a boxing this career. This is what I've heard. He could have had a bo boxing Alleged. career. Alleged. 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 Well, also, don't forget, he was the guy who'd wear those red suits. He'd always have a cigar, very much like that mafioso. Always a cigar. Yeah, like that was just the persona he put out there. So being, you know, he knew how he appeared, and I think very he really conscious. just very much played to that. He was very much like the Don, right? Like, you right. would want to go to him and, you know, you understood he was the guy with the power. Right. Charles, what about, but right now he has very little power, according to his son. He's in solitary confinement, been there for a long time. He's been shot on a couple of different occasions. His son says he has blood, blood clot issues with his mm. leg, which is very serious, because if it goes to your heart, you're just dead like that. Um, he, the, the son, his son, Shook Jacob, says he can't even get in to see his dad. So does that is that typical in a case like this? I, I can tell you, Lisa, I'd like to say no. Um, I got several cases where, where individuals who are incarcerated, uh, the evidence against them is flimsy at best. 
are you know suffering from seri serious medical conditions. You know, I could name agencies, federal agencies that are responsible for this. Who you know, I, I, I'm advocating on behalf of my client just to get a basic witness, you know, uh, family members in to see them. So yeah, I, I see this more and more. And when I've when I'm starting to see Lisa is the erosion of civil rights. Uh, you know, we have gone from a society, or at least a criminal justice society, where innocent to proven guilty, you know, used to exist, maybe in theory, but that theory is long gone. Once the charges emerge, the person's as good as guilty. And if they have a reputation, well, the reputation is, is, is then built to the, t the tilt. And then, you know, we see prosecutors overcharging, you know, excessive bail on cases. You know, I, I know cases locally uh, where this is the case. You know, and it does So this is not that uncommon, no. you're saying, is to be w held without. But what about the bail? Because this was the other issue. Initially, it was $25 million bail. This is not a guy that can go anywhere in the United States, probably a lot of places in the world, and, was, and put on a disguise, and people are going to not recognize him. The bail got dropped to $10 million, which his son says he cannot afford because right. we don't know what the finances, his financial situation is. Is that really high on a first-degree murder for somebody who's been convicted of a felony on two previous occasions? But, but the, what's interesting, Lisa, you know, and, and I see this happen across the board as well, you know, the excessive bail, you know, uh, again, I, I see situations, I have a case where, you know, I know particularly where a man is 70 years old and, you know, still incarcerated, oh my never, gosh. never, you know, convicted of any criminal offense, and he sits in jail waiting trial. You know, and the prosecutor's office turns a blind eye, makes false ac accusations that he could, you know, flee to Jamaica or Haiti. You know, it, it's it's a sham. Bail used to be, it used to be used to make sure the person would have actually their day in court and hold something over their head. That they say, would show up. They would Because otherwise up. they lose the money. Right. And in that, they would have to make a clear showing that the person had no legitimate ties and had no connections to the community. And, you know, it's not meant as a punishment. But now more and more you see it's being used as a punishment. Almost a sentence is being imposed long before juries even picked. And, and that's what's really and sad that, that's about what's this. going on here. Uh, so, me in, ter in terms of the money, the music bu business has changed so so much in the in the time from when Suge first started with Death Row to now. But do we have any idea? Like, does he have any money left, or would he still be getting royalties or anything like that? Do you think? You know, when it comes to Suge, the money is as murky as anything. You know, half the time you hear that he's broke and you know he actually sold death row some years back and then other times you know he still seems to be doing quite well and you know not too long ago he actually asserted that he's owned i believe 30 percent of dre's earnings as some sort of like long time deal that they struck so if dr dre is a billionaire with apple then technically she could be one third of a billionaire so again there's a lot of legal back and forth it's uncertain, and with a guy like him, to be completely honest, like many people of means, you don't know if there's assets, maybe hidden places, or maybe it's under his kids' names, or maybe a former partner's name. So we really don't know, but I think insofar as compared to the height of death row, financially, I would wager to say that by no means is he kind of on par with that anymore. Lord Jamar, what about the, uh, in terms of the, the music industry too, like his, his reputation, was there, were artists going like, I gotta get with death row? Oh, not New York, right? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know nobody in New York that was trying to get with death row. Like, you know, it was 
you had people in New York that was actually scared to go to California at that time. That's right. You know what I mean? Because it was real like that. But um, that was probably like a Cali dude's dream at the time. A West Coast, I mean? a you, West Coast yeah, dream. If you grew up in L.A. or anywhere in that area on the West Coast, you probably wanted to get down with uh, Death Row. Shoot. Uh, MC Hammer ended up signing with mm -hmm. Death Row for a minute. That's how hyped up, you know, Death Row was at one point. Even Left Eye, before she passed, was, right. you know, right. had signed to Shug, and this is and that right. was crazy. after that all was the crazy. East Coast, West <laughs> that was Coast, crazy. you know. But what's interesting is, does his name kind of still hold weight? And, you know, a few years ago, he actually shouted at YG from Compton, mm. and YG went on the record and said, you know, that's, that's a big look. Like, I appreciate that compliment. Um, to paraphrase, but I think his name in certain parts of hip hop still does whole weight. Like that's a cosign, and I still resonate, still resonates strongly. Absolutely. So, Lord Demar, do you think he's? There's a lot of people that are counting him out. They're like, okay, he's done. He's got this. He's got this heavy charge. His health is in bad shape. This guy is finished. But he doesn't seem like the guy that's ever finished. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people want for him. You know, a lot of people wish him. Wish that he just would go away. Wish that he would disappear. And you know, when you say uh, in the beginning of the show, are they trying to write him out of hip hop history? It's like people just want to forget about him altogether now. That's scary. He was that scary. Yeah, he was that scary to some people. Um, now you might not agree with his methods and all of that, but as far as his accomplishments in hip hop, there's no way you can write him out. You know what I mean? He was involved. He was the major force in one of the biggest hip hop labels, you know, probably that ever Especially existed. Especially from the ten. What? But what about like the the Vanilla Ice story that he's oh, trying like. to get the publishing from Vanilla Ice, the <laughs> publishing rights, so he hangs him by his ankles out a hotel window. Is that a legend or is that? From what I hear, fact? that's real. I well, mean, Vanilla, Vanilla Ice kind of confirmed yeah. it, right? Vanilla Ice, it's funny because I think with Suge, there's always two sides to every coin. Because Vanilla <laughs> right. Ice went on Sway and he's like, you know, the story didn't happen that way. And previous, I think, was like Interview Magazine. He's like, no, no, Suge came to me. It was very sort of gentlemanly. Oh, but what's yeah, crazy sure. is how, you know, you can kind of rewrite history because now Vanilla Ice says, because of me and the money I gave Suge, that helped launch Death Row. So in a weird way, Vanilla Ice is, almost has pride. Like, wow, right. because I was shaken down, Somehow, allegedly, <laughs> right. we found I the silver lining in that. And he, you know, he like, even went on record whoa. saying, "Me and Suge are friends." So I think one thing about Suge to play devil's advocate, we have to remember when he's getting you results, everyone loves him, right? When he was allegedly going to Jerry Heller with baseball bats and making sure that NWA got out of their contracts, specifically Dr. Dre, so he could go to death row, when he's bailing Pac out, when he's doing all these nice things for you, everyone seems to love Shook. Right. But the minute that you know the coin flips and maybe you guys aren't agreeing that's when sort of the boogeyman the bully the intimidation so it's you know we have a very tenuous relationship with him because it's a love hate it depends who you're asking at what point of the deal they either love him he gets results <laughs> right. or they're terrified and they need is, someone to come in and shake like, it up they, like, it's like call shug yeah literally right. my thing literally. is so what if he did these things like yeah there might be bad things can we charge him on this crime that he's being charged for now. Right. Can we question. aggregate all his thuggery and boogeyman-ness and, and encapsulate that into this particular crime, which what it seems like they're trying to do. It's, well, it's like OJ. OJ's not getting served for going in and taking his stuff. He's getting served for killing Nicole Brown and right. 
you know, in people's minds. But it's like they, people just look for a case. But to... they found a case for him that they because they didn't get him on the other one. Suge has escaped so many other times, you know, prosecution and all that. So finally, when they get him on this, it's like, yo, we right. got you. I just saw a case, something on the news the other day, where a girl had a gun pulled out. She was getting kidnapped. She ended up running the guy over. He shot himself in the head. Wow. While it happened. I don't think she's going to get charged. Right. I think she's right. good money. Exactly. <laughs> you know All I mean? right, we're going to continue our discussion. We're talking about Suge Knight, the case against Suge Knight. Is he being prosecuted and persecuted because of his death row gangsta image, or are there real issues here? That's what we're talking about with our panel. I'm Lisa Evers, your host for Street Soldiers. We'll be right back. New York City, it's Miguel, and you're tuning to the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real people, real issues, and real politics, only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're taking a close look at the case against Suge Knight. Joining us for this conversation, Somia Krishnamurthy. She's a music journalist and pop culture expert. Great to have you. Thank you. Also with us, Lord Jamar, hip-hop artist. You know him as part of the group Brand Nubian. He's also an actor. Lord Jamar, great to have you with us. Thank you. Really. And uh, also joining us, Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense attorney, a former prosecutor, and founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group. Charles, great to have you with us. Happy to be here, Lisa. Let's talk about perceptions and prosecutions. Mm. Is that, do the perceptions about an individual play a role in terms of how heavy or how light prosecutors are going to go, especially with a high-profile case? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, listening to Lord Jamar talk about, you know, uh, the alleged acts of Suge Knight in, in, in its totality, because when you juxtapose that to uh, equally uh, imposing or intimidating individual here on the East Coast, you know, in the same position, you know, similar acts, you had the same thing play itself out. And you've seen how, you know, a district attorney in New York went after this individual and tried to get him, um, you know, and then it's alleged their charges and who did what. And then, it, you know, uh, uh, it's alleged that the person who actually was convicted in this instance wasn't the person that actually actually had the gun or did any shooting. So it's not that much different, right? And it, it, it seems in certain respects that perceptions or how bad the perception is of an individual, it really becomes what, what takes place, right? Because in Suge's instance, he's now being charged with murder and attempted murder. You know, the other individual, you know, he's back in, 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 the, in the limelight, businessman, you know, and the, the alleged acts and, the, you know, arguably, Lord Jamal, the, the, the list of bad acts are, you know, are equal right. depending who you ask and depending on, depending on who you're talking to but in ter in terms of the celebrity factor in a case like this these these high profile cases these are the kind of cases that make police officers careers and especially prosecutors careers when they go after a big fish that everybody knows so does that play a role the celebrity thing does that play a role in like they're not going to let him slide on anything cuz they really they really want to put his face in it Right. Well, I mean, you you see that play itself out, play you know, day in and day out. You know, you do you see it with athletes, you see it with rap artists. You know, you you've seen I've I've seen uh, evidence to indicate that not only were was there an existence of a rap police in in several major cities, um, but they had collaboration you know collaboration across the board. Well, they will you know 
make information or get information to find out when a particular rap artist was coming to their town. Absolutely. And, you know, so you have that kind of targeting sort of. So, yeah, they were walking around with a big target on their back. So it, when, in fact, they slip up and, 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 you know, allegedly commit a crime, you know, the, the case is supposed to come in and it's supposed to be judged, you know, based on the acts individual. You know? Right. But it becomes the perception and the persona of that individual that attaches in themselves. You know, they're doing press conferences. They're polluting the jury. Right. You know, they, they just go out of their way to make a case outside the courtroom. By the time the individual gets into the courtroom, you know. The deck is, sta- it, the deck is stacked done. against it. Well, let's talk about Suge Knight's good deeds. Because this is one, one of the things his son said a lot of people aren't paying attention to. Suge did, you know, what, which a lot of artists do. You know, a lot of artists do as well, and, and athletes. You know, the turkey drives. He did a whole day. He had he had a single Mother's Day spa day for single moms, where they bust in a bunch of single moms to a fancy hotel. They got makeovers. They got gifts. They got all these kinds of things from Mother's Day to kind of big up them. He did toys, toy drives for kids, and there's stories about him of people needing money. Like genuinely needing money, not like, you know, like over a music contract or something, but people that generally, you know, generally needed money and he would give it to them. And Lord Jamar, you're shaking your head. You, no, no, I'm just listening. You, Nobody's so, 100 percent evil. Right. Totally. You know what I mean? Like everybody's going to have some good within them. And but then even sometimes your good can be inspired by mm. <laughs> you know, you mean like a guilty conscience? Well, not just a guilty, like it could be your ego, you know, like you giving out turkeys, not necessarily because you want to feed a bunch of uh, people that need to eat, you know, that are less fortunate, but you're giving them out because it makes you look good. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, are you doing this when no cameras are around and all that? Like, that's when, you know, it's the things you do when people are not looking. Right that I think really speaks to who you are rather than, okay, you ready? All right, camera, right. go! All right, hey, look, I'm giving out toys. Look, I bust all these ladies in. It's a beautiful thing, but what I'm saying is sometimes that's ego-driven and it's not as you know, wholesome as we might think it is. All right. But the, it's still a good thing. And, and it still means a lot to people, especially if you're, you're really struggling, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. Like, like and that. if they bring that up during the case, right? All you need is one or two sympathetic jurors. Like, that could have been me or maybe somehow directly right. or indirectly they may have benefited. You know, I think there's two sides to every coin. I think what's interesting is should kind of coming back sort of within the public spotlight because of, like, you know, the NWA biopic, According to Suge's son, they're working on a death row biopic. I'd be interested in seeing how he's perceived there. Because even something like the Michelle A. biopic, mm. oh. on one hand, she talks about him. Okay, that's, on, that's all right. Our it's Facebook okay. On one hand, she talks about you know him being abusive, but also showing her a lot of love. Apparently, allegedly, he helped her from her abusive relationship with Dr. Dre. Mm. So it depends who's they telling Dre the story. Dre look worse than him in that Absolutely. story. Absolutely. So you know, let's say the death or a biopic comes out, they may point to Suge's like good deeds, his community outreach. We just don't know, and I guess it really depends that juror. What side of sugar are they really going to focus and, and on? And what are they? What are they? You know, focusing on. Yeah. But when you go back, that that famous that's on his son's Instagram page, that that famous double XL cover that had Suge, that had Dre, that had Snoop, that had Ice Cube. You look at the four of them, 
the, where, where all of them are right now, it's pretty incredible. You have Dr. Dre the says he's the first hip-hop billionaire. Yeah. You've got Snoop, who's had an unbelievably long career and lucrative career, doing you know everything from Super Bowl commercials to cooking shows with, with Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart <laughs> to, you know, he's just kept his brand going and growing. Twitter and fights with Donald tw Trump. Right, Twitter, yeah. now, now politics, who <laughs> right. knows? You know, we could have a, a Snoop for president campaign. And and then and you know and and of course Ice Cube with the movies and those those movie franchises that that he has so Suge had to have had something going on something with him to attract that kind of talent at that time. I think so, and you know again I was never around him so you could speak better to this, but I do think that for a certain kind of an artist he really represented power, connection, influence. You know, in many ways, kind of like a fatherly figure where you'd feel both physically and sort of emotionally and business-wise safe with him. And I could see where he would be very attractive. And he's not, you know, an anomaly. You look at a lot of rap moguls, that's really the way they attract young talent in many ways. Being that surrogate big brother, surrogate father, that's how you get them under your wing. And, you know, when it was good, it was good. And when it was bad, not it so It was good. really bad. I think yeah. he represented the best of both worlds for certain artists. Like, he can get you that big money that you're looking for. But at the same time, you know, he was kind of like the realist CEO. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like he had the, the most no, no one questioned his street Come on, like he was <laughs> no. claiming was blood and all of that. Like, right. how many CEOs Big time. are claiming right. a, a gang like that or openly pip and proudly? Pipples in the record label office. Right. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, <laughs> I think that was the, uh, an allure for, for certain artists, too, to be around him. Damn, he's mad street. He's mad real. That's gonna add to my credibility. You know what I mean? Oh, because they'll get the respect. And if they had come from a different, you saw how Pac was before Death Row and right. after. That what? was right. right. His muscle's my muscle now. Yeah. now. I could just be popping off out here, yeah. like, and I got this machine behind me. And, the, That's and there's not a great... only physically powerful, but economically powerful, musically powerful. They can take me where I need to go. At one point, they felt like. Nothing could stop. And Suge and Pac were very close. It was an interview where Suge said um, in Double XL where he talked about that, you know, people are, are after Pac had been shot in New York, that uh, people are going to send him flowers and cards and things. Suge goes, he's a man. I'm sending him a bulletproof vest with death row. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, that's the rumor, I mean, right, right? That he bailed Pac out when Pac needed it and then and, said, sign to death row. Right. And right. Think about it. You put savior. $2 million on the, on the table, $2 million cash right. on the table in the 1990s. Right. And that was, that was huge then. That was huge. It's still huge. It's right? still, it's still huge. $2 million. Well, you look at the at cases we saw now with Bobby Schmurter being yes. arrested. The, no label was jumping there to bail him out. Mm -mm. You know, the, there was, it's it's a whole different, you know, Sugar would take ownership. And, right. and it's interesting you mentioned Schmurter because, you know, right now in hip hop, you know, you've seen that transition where you don't see as many at least overtly street CEOs right I mean you may hear about them behind the scenes or kind of hear murmurs but insofar as someone who says I have ties to the streets but I'm also a CEO and for certain artists they need that and when Shmurda you know got locked up a lot of people were wondering where's your label and again I can't blame the label for not sort of going there and you know 
helping him out. But you do wonder a guy like Suge might have felt a very personal connection. Where but it's, it's also like, right. Yeah. But also, isn't Shug. it, Charles? Isn't it also the, the difference in the industry, the music totally. industry too? Because you work with many artists, and it's like the, in that in that era, Suge was his label. He didn't have a right. corporate board to answer to. Right. There wasn't a right. public stock offering. <laughs> right. He, you know, the, his death row hadn't been bought out by some entertainment conglomerate. Right. The culture you know? has changed. Lisa. Yeah. I mean, in in that time period, I mean, if you recall. You know, you the persona was or the culture was, you know, if I want an artist, I'm going to go into the person's office with some, you know, bottles and I'm going to knock a somebody baseball over the bat, head. Right. And, you know, yeah. so we had a few incidents here like that. Right. I mean, in New York, in New York, allegedly. No, no, that, those weren't alleged. <laughs> <laughs> we have factual There were bottles broken. Of, there were some bottles being knocked <laughs> over people's heads. There were stitches. There were some guns pulled. <laughs> and But see, that was part of the culture. Right, so exactly. So for Suge on the West Coast, he was just living out what, what we knew as, as reality on the East Coast. Right. But more importantly, Importantly, he had a business focus too. So long before we seen the idea of a group coming together and branding, we see th these three individuals you speak of, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, and Dr. Dre, enjoying the fruits of that vision, that branding that's going to be beyond the hip hop and you know the the the, the hip hop realm. It was going to be more importantly, you're going a takeover, so to speak, because that's what he was pushing. He right. was pushing a takeover. A takeover, but Lord Jamar, what about the in terms of where they are now? I mean, you you look at how far they are, and you look at Suge is you know still dealing with crim, a, you know a really serious criminal case, and and third time Charles right in California, you can be behind bars for the rest of your life. Right, three and strikes or de de depending what you know what they're going to actually the eventual conviction would wind up being, and you know what counts towards his record. I mean, he's got a pretty long rap sheet, so like I, I said, mean, when I think about that cover, I think of when you say look at where they are. It, Tupac is dead. Right. right. So that's what I think of. Right. When right. He, you know what I mean? When he signed that contract, that was almost like a deal with the devil. And, and like, mm -hmm. when you were watching it from the outside, it kind of felt like that. Like, no, don't, <laughs> don't sign with Suge. Like, you know what I mean? I might but not. But he be almost your, had no other but choice. He at that almost point. had no other choice. What else you gonna do? Just thug it out and see what happens and all of this type of stuff. And like, that produced his biggest hit, right? I mean, All Eyes on Me came after that that signing and who can forget California love right Tupac flashing that money and Suge standing right behind him and right. the message was come to death row we take care of you <laughs> right exactly right exactly all right, uh, we're talking about Suge Knight. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Sierra, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, baby, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the case against Suge Knight. Are there people out there who are trying to write him out of hip-hop history? That's one of the topics we're talking about with our panel. Joining me, Somia Krishnamurthy. She's a music journalist and pop culture expert. Great to have you. Good to be here. Great. And also with us, Lord Jamar. He's a hip-hop artist. You know him as part of the group Brand Nubian. He's also an actor, very accomplished actor. Uh, Lord Jamar, great to have you. Peace. Peace. Also with us is Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense attorney, a former prosecutor, and founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group. Charles, great to have you with us. Good, good to be here, Richard. Good to be here. So, so let's talk about his place in hip-hop history, because now there is kind of a vibe about Suge where in the culture, kind of like he's he's like the relative you don't want to mention, and you don't want to invite to Thanksgiving, but you know you got to. Right or wrong? You got to. 
whether you like it or not, whether they might, you know, get drunk at the party and start screaming or whatever the case <laughs> may be, they're still part of the family. Right. You see what I'm saying? And that's undeniable. And, you know, you could you could not like their, uh, you know, some of the things they do, but you still, you can't deny that their DNA is part of your DNA. And you cannot separate that. You so, can't separate them. Suge's DNA is all up in hip-hop. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you can't escape that, especially West Coast hip-hop. Right. You like what he's done or not, it is what it is. But as far as trying to write him out of hip-hop history, you know, to me, that's impossible. And, and Charles, from what, from what you say about the charges against him, the way he's being treated, the extremely high bail, the solitary confinement in a county jail, still now going into two years, no trial, has you know the, supposedly they're starting pre-trial very soon, but right. they always say that, right. and still no trial, still hasn't been charged with anything, but but been behind bars. You're saying now this this is kind of a story you're seeing in other places, so he's almost, you know, indicative of what's going on. Absolutely, I, I see it, it happening time and time again. Um, you have individuals who are being charged, or you know the the charges, in a lot of regards, are trumped up. Uh, there are, the, the cases are not as strong as they're presented. Uh, the defenses are not taken into consideration when they come up with these bail. Um, you know, they initially requested $2 million bail when, it, when everything first came out, and then all of a sudden it became a $25 million bail, and they largely used his previous acts against him, um, when in fact, his, you know, he has strong community ties. He has a strong defense. Uh, you know, again, looking at the video, and if you look at some of the uh, incidents or parts of the video, it shows, kind of corroborates what uh, Suge is saying in regards to what was occurring before he ran individuals down. To what extent, you know, he could have went in another direction and all that. I understand that's what the prosecution, uh, you know, would like to have the public believe. But I mean, again, beyond a reasonable doubt is the standard. So it, it, it the reality exists. The, it, you know, he's not being treated fairly in all instances. But again. It's not unique, and uh, and I'm seeing it time and time again. And so, in, in terms of what about the fact that his his son says that he turned himself in, and those that's what was reported, widely reported that he voluntarily went in when he the incident happened and said, "Look, this is this is what happened. I'm here to here to deal with this." Shouldn't that count for something? Oh, it, it most definitely should. You know, again, and and this is this is. Like you're not running, right. something happened. This is a you're person not running. who said, "You know what? I know that there's, you know, you're looking for me, and possibly could have charges, you know, uh, you know, trying to file a case against me. Here I am." So, you know, the case or the argument that, "Oh, here's a person that could flee," well, he didn't, and in fact, right. you know, if you look at the previous cases, he answered for those as well. So, you know, I, I, I just don't see it. You know, you, you're doing it, then then you're really doing the excessive bail and putting this huge bail on him as a punishment, so to speak. You're almost convicting him before a chance he had trial. Before even going out, going out million, like that. He probably can get that. Yeah. I mean, he's still getting two million. royalties, right. definitely. He's got to still be getting royalties, and right? Absolutely. Where's he going to run? Again, right. like you said, it's Suge Knight. Right. Where it's not run? like right. people he recognize it. Right. and become a different person. <laughs> exactly. It's Suge Knight, right. No, totally. In, in terms of the music industry then and now, let's just talk a moment about that, the, the differences. You can't go anywhere now with a baseball bat and go smash up a place because there's probably going to be cameras all over the place. Ah. I mean, people find ways. Um, <laughs> right? you know, I, I think when it comes to hip-hop, and this is, you know, 
obviously compared to the 90s you see a lot more corporations involved not just record labels but now you have spotify and apple and facebook all these other players kind of coming into the mix so that does change the culture but that being said so much of music even what's on the radio right now it comes from the streets and as long as an artist starts out in you know in the streets just because he or she signs a deal doesn't mean those street ties just go away instantly a lot of your favorite artists still have connections to the streets that maybe even fans don't know about true sometimes they're financial and you see weird names on liner notes you're not sure who that is and that could be someone who you know helped fund them absolutely (laughs) so i think you know that element of hip-hop will never go away and the notion of street credibility is never going to go away. I think that being said, you know, the sort of general culture has moved more into a corporate environment where you can't just run up into a record label. You need to go to security and sign in and show your ID. It's like a process now. But I don't want to sort of, you know, whitewash it and say that everything is sunflowers and, you know, skipping through a field. <laughs> it's still hip hop. And we can't sort of be, we got to be cognizant of that. See, there's always going to be Gooches. There's always going to be Debo's out there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, the one of today that a lot of people are scared of is Gucci Man. Right. You know. Now but, with his beautiful smile. Well, that's what I'm saying. But okay. the or is it the ice cream cone tattoo? Able to transform. Because if you put an ice cream cone on your cheek, it's really intimidating. And all of that. Yeah, yeah. He had a lot of people scared. Yeah. Right. He was the new boogeyman, but now, maybe from looking at people like Suge Knight right. and and looking at you know taken from his mistakes and trying to build up, he has reconfigured his whole image. I mean, down to his weight, all of that. And even I think the most think sort of working for commercial artists, I mean, they still hint at their sort of connection to the streets. Look at someone like Drake, grew up middle class, Toronto, half right. black, half white, Jewish mother, was on Degrassi, you know what I mean? And he still will hint at, well, I know guys who know guys. Right. right. You know, and that's still, baby in them. Exactly. That's what gave Drake his credibility. His exactly. Cred right. By being down with So it's still money. it's still an important ingredient to 100%. your hip hop persona. Well, it depends on who you are though right. and right. how you feel inside. See, there's some hip hop artists right now that don't care about that. They'll just bypass that, go straight to the white kids or the college kids. And right. I don't have to be hard. Like that's what this new hip hop generation embraces. But you still have those that, you know, when they come from the street, they want you to feel that real street credibility. You know and and he's it's not even just where you're from. Right. Because in certain cities in this country, you can't go and perform as an artist without paying certain people in the street. So mm-hmm. I may not be a street artist, but if mm-hmm. I want to perform at some venue, you have to pay the toll. Right. You have to pay a toll if I want to do an appearance at a strip club, I right. can't just do it. There's certain gatekeepers, so right. I may not be dealing with them directly, but that's where you have your handle. But that network is my still there. My man knows right. my man, knows who the gatekeeper is in that city. So to me, as long as you're gonna call yourself a rapper, and again, not someone who's only catering towards top 40, pop crossover, but doing anything within the quote unquote kind of urban skew, you have to pay the toll, and whether you live that life or not, someone on your payroll better know how to handle someone in the streets. What about the mythology around Suge Knight? Because a lot of it is larger than life. He's in the car with Tupac in Las Vegas when Pac gets shot and killed. Right. And some people said he had that set up. That's one of the big rumors that's been around for a long time. But common sense, why would he have that happen when he's in the car, and that was his, that was his main breadwinner at that point. Right. 
I mean, what? <coughs> what do you think, Lord Jamar? You're shaking. No, because you, I, 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 I could see people still say that, but they say it like it's fact. He might would have wanted to harm Tupac, but yeah. to be stupid enough to be in the car with him. He's not stupid at like that. At the same time. <laughs> That's not Suge. I mean, I. Good self defense. I mean, it's I mean, good, it's a great it's alibi. Right? Right. Even that you lawyer's like, that is a great self defense. You know, in my even mind, Charles, even right. attorney Charles Tucker, in my mind, is I was, I'm thinking, you know, did we ever do all the ballistics as far as angles and all oh of that? Boy. Because you know, I've heard oh rumors boy. that maybe he popped uh, two pop while the shooting was going on. Then maybe gave himself a little ting, a little grace, just to, wow. yeah, just to make it look like such and such. I don't know. There's a lot of things being said about it. You know what I mean? But that's that's incredible to me that that still persists to this day. Biggie, Tupac, Biggie, and course. that he was involved somehow with Biggie, right. which yeah. there was never any proof and on that. And now they're selling both their vehicles for seventy five thousand. Right, the wow. car. That's crazy. Selling the cars that the, the cars that they were shot in, and right. both murders, unsolved. Part of hip hop's unsolved, unsolved right. mysteries. But I think again that just adds to this myth. Like this is the man who literally, at least so far, is Teflon. Like you can throw charges at him and he's a guy who'll go to prison come out and go again like you literally can't make anything stick and when he walks into a room all of that aura follows him you know what i mean and i don't know if he likes it i don't know if he doesn't like it um i think if it suits him it's not a bad thing right to be the most feared man in hip-hop but now it could sort of bite him he likes it now, but he liked it back then. But what about Lord, Lord Jamar? What about the where we go from here? Do you think he can bounce back from this if he can beat these charges? Do you think he can bounce back from it, or do I mean, you think he's he could, done? Well, done in what sense? In the I mean, hip hop just, industry? Yeah, like he if he's behind bars for the rest, of, you know, if he's behind bars for the rest of his life, that's going to be a bad. But you know, there hasn't even been a trial yet. Yeah, so. well, even or when he, he was out, just, he didn't have nothing going on. It's not yeah. like he had any up and coming artists and all of that. See, right. See, Dre was the. He knows how to spot the talent and develop the talent and make the talent be what shine. It is. Right. But Suge was that one that just busted through doors and then these Got guys you your come money. behind them. Show me so, the money. Right. Yeah. Unless he has those other that people. kind of talent around him or a Dreish type person rocking with him, you know. If even if he was to get out, I don't see him being a major player in the music industry today. Right. Although anything could happen. So, Mia, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I think Suge Knight thus far has proved that he's Teflon, and I don't discount him. Even if he goes to jail, I think this is someone who potentially has the connections, especially Mm -hmm. on the West Coast. You know, you don't have to be in an office to be the CEO of a record label, right? So right. many deals are made by people behind the scenes. And right. I think, you know, with this upcoming death row biopic that's supposedly slated, that could be a source of revenue. And I think more than anything right now, there's like an interest in nostalgia, right? Whether yes, it be there is. NWA, the Michelle A movie, like every the Tupac biopic is New supposedly com- It's New coming edition. out in, in, in June. Are and there's also thirsty. a major book coming out on... Uh, the whole thing in in 2018 by Kevin Powell, who did that famous uh, vibe cover, cover story with yeah. all them. But we're almost out of time. And Attorney Charles Tucker, what are your? Cha- He's also had about four different lawyers right. that, on that, on this, and and that's got to be a problem too. But what's your best guess in terms of his, like if you were a betting man, 50-50, or given all these crazy variables around this? Uh, I mean, that's or is what it going to depend on the lawyer? Right. It, it, I do. I think it's depending on how they phrase the case and how they really shape it and, and package it to the jury. Um, the delay in the trial, you know, to in, in all fairness to the L.A. prosecutor's office, uh, 
the fact that he switched so many defense attorneys and teams. I think he's on his fifth team at this point. That's added to the delay. Oh, because they have to give the new team time correct. to get up and to speed asked, on the case. Correct. And they've, they've asked for some adjournments, you know, looking through the record. They've uh, asked for additional adjournments as they change the legal teams. But the, the charges, I mean, does he get off both acts? Uh, you know, I mean, that's hard. I, I think he walks away possibly not being found guilty of the, of the murder uh, and just as to the individual who's still alive uh, because that individual is going to have a powerful story and the question is going to be, are they going to believe his version or the individual who's still alive? You know, And I think that attempted murder charge is a charge he may not be able to get out and that's of. And that's going to be a tough one. All right, well, I want to thank all of you for being with us uh, for this episode of Street Soldiers on the Suge Knight case. Somia Krishnamurthy, Lord Jamar, and Charles Tucker Jr., really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace.